Well, today is Christmas Eve, which means, guys, you've got about uh, 18 hours to figure out what you're going to buy. <clears throat> there, there's a lot of pressure at Christmas time, right? There's a lot of pressure at Christmas time to make sure that everybody feels loved and everybody feels special and um, that you get all of the holiday baking and things done, that you uh, love on your neighbors, you think of something very thoughtful and homemade to give to each neighbor and each friend and each family member and each uh, new acquaintance that you might meet so that they will feel that you are uh, loving them. And then you have the people that um, are those kids that you want to make sure that it feels like a magical time for them, that this is a, a perfect time, that they got exactly all the right gifts and also that they understand it is not about the gifts. That, the, that there is a, a different meaning, and then also that you give to all of the charities and all of the people who are in need, and if you're really doing well, that you would go and you would volunteer. And then you have all of the other things that you have to do, and make sure that while you're doing it, you are uh, having the family time and the downtime cuddled up with the popcorn and the hot chocolate and the movies, and that you don't have uh, any stress show at all. All right? Or maybe your experience is the opposite of that and you think that uh, there should be all of those things, but for you there isn't any of those things. And so instead, Christmas is an empty time and a lonely time, a time when you feel like I should be having all of those things and I don't have any of those gatherings. And so this morning we want to just come together out of the loneliness and out of the emptiness and gather together and we want to... Uh, Put aside all of the stresses and just sit and rest in this place on Christmas Eve and consider why is Christmas so important? Why is Christmas so important? Why is this the greatest holiday in the world? And to do that, I want to look at John chapter 1. In John chapter 1 verse 1 it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the way that John begins his gospel is he tells us about this word, this person who is the word, who in the very beginning was there, who is God himself and was with God himself, so very God that he is the one who created all things. Through him, all things were created and have their being. Without him, nothing exists. Nothing exists apart from him. It was all made by him, through him, and for him. He is God. That is who the word is. But if you go down to verse 9 of John chapter 1, it says that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This word was becoming flesh. That's what it says, verse 14. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That very God, the word, the one who has always existed from before time began, through whom, by whom, and for whom all things were made, was becoming mankind, human. That God was becoming human. Why? Why would he do that? Why would God have any need to become human? Have you ever had a conflict with a friend? You had a conflict with a friend and the friend um, isn't talking to you or seems distant from you? And so you're uh, reaching out, right? And you're sending a a mutual friend to talk with them. Because you know you did the thing, right? You did the thing. It was your fault. They're mad because of the thing that you did. You're very aware that they have to be so mad because of the thing that I did. And I haven't heard from them recently. They've got to just be over there holding the grudge. They've got to be over there not talking to me because they know. And so you talk to the mutual friend. Do you think they're really, really angry? Do you think they're ever going to talk to me again? Do you think they could ever love me again after what I did? And the mutual friend goes and he talks and they come back and they say, no, 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 no. We're all good. We're all good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't feel like we're all good. I haven't seen him. I haven't talked with him. I I don't know. I don't think we're all good. I think there's a problem. Because I know what I did. There's no way that that could be fine with them, that they could be okay with me. Because I don't feel okay with me and what I did. And so it's probably not okay with them either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Are you sure? Are you sure? And the friend is going, I'll talk again. I'll talk again. And then they come back. Yeah, yeah, totally. They forgave you. It's totally cool. Do you realize that in the beginning, before time began, God created the world and everything in it, right? Through him, by him, for him. We already covered that, right? And in this creation, he put mankind. He put humans in that creation as the pinnacle of his creation. He called them Adam and Eve, and he walked with them, and they loved him, and he loved them, and he walked with them like friends. And they sinned against him. And he said, you cannot be in my presence and in sin like that. And so you must go. I'm banishing you out of my presence. And from that time on, humankind was separated from God because of sin. Adam and Eve sinned. They were the ones that started it. They broke the whole thing. And since then, every person has sinned and understands and knows they are wrong with God because of their own personal sin, because of the sin that Adam and Eve started with, and because of their sin, they are not good with God. And so God sends his messengers, he sends his prophets to them. This is how it put it in Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. By the prophets. The prophets would speak to the people and they would go, Hey, repent of that sin. You know how you broke that relationship with God because of your sin? You should repent of that sin and turn back to God. 
and he will forgive you because God is merciful and gracious. He's abounding in steadfast love. He loves you and he will welcome you back if you will repent of your sin and turn back to him. And people went, really? Could that be? Could God love me after all that I have done? Could God love me too? And the prophets, the messengers, those mutual friends would come back and would say, yeah, yeah, really and truly, God will love you. God does love you. He wants you to repent and turn from your sin so that you can be back with him. And for a little while, people would go, okay, yeah, I repent of my sin and I want to be with God and I want God to be with me. I want God to be with us. And then they would do the sinning thing again. And the prophets are going back and forth and they're talking to God and they're talking to the people and they're talking to God and they're talking to the people and they're talking to God and they're going, God, I don't know what's going on. They're not listening, God. I've tried to tell them about who you are. I've tried to explain about your holiness, how great and awesome you are, how pure you are, how sinless you are. I've tried to explain them, that to them, God, but they don't understand They think that their sin is okay. I've tried to explain to them, God, about their sin and how the judgment is coming because of sin and that they need to repent, but they don't understand. They don't get it. They're not turning away from their sin. I've tried to explain to them, God, about how much you love them and how much you'd like to be back in relationship with them. I've tried to explain it to them, God. I've tried to tell them, and they won't listen. They're not hearing it. Just like when you have that issue with the friend, right? And you have the mutual friend that's going back and forth in between. And they're going, oh, it's okay. And you're going, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I know you know me and I know you know them and I know you know what I like and what I love and I know that you know them and what they like and what they love and I know that you're trying to do what's best for both of us. But I just think that until we get together and we talk, I just, I'm not going to feel Okay. And God saw that. And long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And then God said, you know what? They're not getting it. I'm going to reveal myself to them in a new way. So in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us By his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, time out. Through whom he also created the world? We've heard that before. Who are we talking about here? That same word that John was talking about in John 1, we now have here that is God speaking through the word, his Son, In Hebrews chapter 1, in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. 
After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God said, you aren't understanding who I am. I have been sending the messengers. I have been sending the prophets to come and tell you, to give you my word, right? The, the prophets weren't making it up. They weren't guessing. It's not like the prophets were coming and telling the people, you know, probably God's a pretty good guy. You know, if I were God, I would forgive you. You know, I like you, so probably God likes you too. That's not what the prophets were doing. The prophets were hearing from God and speaking to his people directly. They were speaking the very words of God. It was God whispering in their ear and then them telling the people the very words of God, and yet the people were not hearing it. Not understanding it. Not believing it. And so God said, I must go myself. I must reveal myself to them. Until we're sitting and talking face to face, they're not going to get it. I am going to have to go and be with them. I am going to have to go. They can't come to me. Sinful, pathetic humans that they are. They can't come to me. What were we going to do? In our sinfulness, climb up to heaven and talk to God? Hey God, I'm here. God would go, you can't do that. You can't bring that sinfulness up here. Nor could you reach it if you tried. You can't climb or jump or fly high enough to get to God. And so God humbled himself and came to us. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. He has come so that he might reveal himself to us. So that we might behold his glory, veiled, sure, in humanity, but very God as man. What an incredible thing. What an incredible thing. We have religions all over the world with gods. We have people all over the world. They are humans. There are even some religions that have demigods. They are half god, half human, which means they are pathetic gods or extra powerful people. But that's not what we have here. What we have here is God, fully God, as man, fully man. So that he can say, this is who I am. And this is who you were created to be. Mankind perfected as the word becomes flesh. As the word becomes Jesus. 
but not everybody recognized him. So back in John chapter 1, we have verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Now, you've had this conflict with the friend, right? And you've had the mutual friend going back and forth. And explaining to you about the things that you did wrong and probably the things that you should ask for forgiveness for. And you have acknowledged that. And then you said, but can they love me despite what I have done? And the mutual friend has gone back and forth and finally goes, you know what, I'm just going to have them come and talk to you face to face with nobody coming in between. And then the friend that you had wronged comes and goes, here I am. Yeah, I don't think it's you. I don't think it's you. What do you mean? Of course it's me. I know you, and I know what you did. Yeah, I don't think it's you. What? What are you talking? Of course it's me. Remember the, the kind of person that I am? See all the characteristics that make me who I am? The things that I like, the things that I don't like, the things that make me me? Don't you see all those similarities? Yeah, I see some similarity, yeah, but I don't think it's you. It's changed. You've changed. It's been a long time. You don't look the same. What? Look exactly the same. I'm immutable. I don't change. I look exactly the same. Yeah, that's weird. I don't think you would have changed over the period of time. I don't think it's you. Here comes God in the flesh. And he's saying, "Look. Look at my glory. Look at who I am. Look at what you have done and yet I have come so that we might be reconciled, so that we might come back together." And the world did not receive him. The world that he created, the people that he created in his image, they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. And many rejected him completely. But not all rejected him. And verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, God became human and dwelt among us, lived among us and said, this is me. This is who I am. And for all who believe that Jesus is God in flesh, he gave the right to become children of God. How did he do that? 
We know about the whole sin thing, right? There was this division between us and God because of our sin, because we did things that were against God, because we had rejected God, because we wanted to do our own thing, live our own way, reject His holiness, His purity, His goodness, His righteousness. We rejected all of that so that we could do our own thing. And God said, I have come to welcome you back. And this is how, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and... Here comes Jesus, in flesh. And he says, your sin needs to be dealt with, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to die for your sin. I'm going to provide the sacrifice that will remove your sin. I I see the sin there. It's not that I don't see it. It's not that I don't know it's there. It's not that I think that it doesn't need to be judged. It definitely needs to be judged. There should be consequences and punishment because of your sin. But I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that for you. Well, couldn't somebody else have done it? Maybe a pastor, right? Maybe a pastor could, could die for your sins. No good. Known too many pastors. They got too much sin of their own. They can't die for your sin. They can't even die for their own sin. It's going to have to be somebody else. It's going to have to be somebody perfect. Somebody who doesn't have to die for their own sin, but can die for somebody else's sin. Who could do that? Nobody. Nobody can do that. There are no perfect, sinless humans. So God became one. He said, I have a solution. I could do it. And so God became human and lived perfectly without sin. And then being undeserving of judgment or punishment, he took it upon himself. He said, if you have any sin, you come to me. If you have any sin, you come to me. And I will take your sin, and I will take the punishment, and I will take the judgment for your sin. And you can have my righteousness instead. He did this fully understanding what we struggle with. Well, God, I know you're perfect, but you don't understand what I'm struggling with. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Because he didn't just sit up in heaven in his bubble of holiness and purity. He became human so that he could experience all of the temptations that we have experienced. 
and not sin. Experience all of the temptations. All the temptations toward selfishness. All the temptations toward pride, toward lust, toward greed, toward power. All of them. All of the things that you struggle with, he experienced the temptation and yet did not sin so that at the end he could take all of your sin. Anybody who believes in him. Anybody who believes in him. Anybody who goes, I believe that Jesus is God in flesh. You can't give your sin to anybody else. It wouldn't count. Nobody else could take it. Nobody else could do anything about it. Only God in flesh, only God as human could do something about it. God can't die, but people can. So he became people so that he could die. And so anybody who believes that God is God in human, as human can give him your sin and receive his righteousness. Again, it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, But when Christ appeared as a high priest, and the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats or calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is what Jesus has done for us. This is what Jesus has done for us. We needed somebody to come and somebody to pay that debt, right? We wanted to be reconciled with God. We wanted to be made clean of our sins so that we wouldn't have the guilt and the shame that's associated with that anymore. No more stress and pressure of performance, but just acceptance and love by the creator of all things. How much do we want that? And yet there's no way for us to achieve it, no way for us to grasp it, to reach it, to claim it as our own. And so God said, I will become human. We call it the incarnation. God taking on flesh. And so when we come around to Christmas every year, this is the thing that I recognize. Because there's so much stuff that swirls around Christmas. So many feelings, so much like light in the darkness and joy and hope and peace and love and so many things, presents and gift giving and family and friendship and all of these things that happen that are all very good things. But the reason that Christmas is so important is because this is the moment where God took on flesh. 
And so we can think about and talk about how cute the manger scene is. But the thing about the manger scene is not that it's cute. It's that the God of the universe became human. That's why it's important. That's why it's important. Because at that moment that Mary wrapped him up and laid him in the manger, that was the God of the universe. Entering into flesh. I just want to talk to stop and put everything else aside then and say, if this is how God has revealed himself to us, and we have seen from the eyewitnesses the accounts. And if he has done this so that we might be saved from our sin, then I want to spend my time reflecting on and remembering that. So this morning, while you're here in this place, that's what we're going to celebrate and that's what we're going to think about, okay? And tomorrow when you get up and whatever it is that you are doing in the celebration of Christmas Day, I hope that you take some time to talk about and think about this. Why do we do this? Why is Christmas so important? Why is it being celebrated by so many people all over the world? It is because we have a God who loved us so much that he took, off, took on flesh to reveal himself to us and to save us from our sin. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we see that you are great and glorious And have loved us so much that you sent your son. And Lord, we talk about that all the time. We talk about Jesus as the Messiah, as the anointed one. We talk about him as being the savior. But today, Lord, we recognize that uh, none of that would be possible if he were not God. And so we thank you for being the kind of God who loves us so much that you want us to know who you are, to reveal yourself fully in person, and then to save us from our sins so that we might be with you forevermore. And we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.